Who will be the next general manager feels in a way like a trick question because it'll still be Mike Tomlin. But let's let's take it a little bit beyond that. Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into hockey and or baseball, I also offer up Daily Shots of Penguins and Pirates where you found this. There are names being reported connected to the Steelers' ongoing general manager search, presuming you believe such a thing is occurring. Maybe you're more inclined to believe that it is occurring after seeing that Chris Morgan, who was promoted late in the season to offensive line coach, became the offensive line coach of the Bears, which means that the front office actually will go to the outside for the next O-line coach, and here's hoping for Mike Munchak. But GM, that's of another scope. GM is going to have to be a situation where all concerned understand that there's a Steelers way of doing things in addition to understanding what that way is and why. And from there, believing in it. Now, if you add all of those things up, you're not going to get somebody from the outside. You're just not. Now, there are, of course, different degrees of coming from the outside. If the Steelers, for example, were to bring back Samir Suleiman, who went to the Panthers after the 2020 season and became their main contracts guy, that's somebody who would already have been here and already would understand all of these things. So, Outside, yeah, but not really. Now, outside candidates are going to be interviewed, and they are going to make headlines when that happens. It's rare, even in COVID times, for teams and prospective candidates for a job at this level to keep this sort of thing a secret. Plus, Rooney Rule and now all the extra attention being given to it because of the mess in Miami, and, you know, the Rooney rule having originated with the Roonies, you're going to see an honest process. I just don't believe that you're going to see an outside general manager brought here. Nor, in this case, do I believe that's going to be necessary. No, I know, I've railed against just walking down the hallway and promoting from within, and I'll continue to do that as it relates to the offensive coordinator, because I'm positive that's all of the effort that was put into promoting Matt Canada and, for that matter, promoting successive failed offensive line coaches. But again, this actually is different, and I'll explain why. This portion of Daily Shot of Steelers is brought to you by Point Park University. Choose from nearly 100 career-focused programs leading to bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees. Choose when and how you'd prefer to do that studying, whether it's at Point Park's gorgeous downtown Pittsburgh campus, whether it's online. Maybe a flexible hybrid format would work best for you. Find out more about all of this at pointpark.edu. Omar Khan's name has come up a lot over the years as the prospective next GM. Been alternately hailed or panned as the team's salary cap wizard, 
And I'm convinced that salary cap wizards only attain that title because none of the rest of us want to waste our time learning all that stuff. So there are really only 32 people on the planet who know it. But Omar's been there, done that, or should I say been here, done that. And he's going to be taken very seriously as a candidate. And he should be. Concern I've had with Omar from day one is that his resume isn't exactly overflowing when it comes to player evaluation, talent evaluation, coordinating the scouting that goes into a draft, coordinating the pro scouting that goes into having a full book on not only all of the other 31 teams' 53-man rosters, but maybe even more importantly, their practice squads. Because that's where you get your help in season when you need it. Omar's resume is way more about contracts, contract negotiations, and salary cap management than it is pure football. And that brings me to Brandon Hunt, who has become probably the favorite in the clubhouse to replace Colbert. And if you think about it, by Colbert's staying on through the draft and Hunt right at his side, working along with him, to mention Khan, you could see the Steelers undergo a true uh, apprenticeship, a, a true changing of the guard that would suit what I would imagine Rooney wants to see. But here's what's funny. The same thing I said about Khan as a negative, I can say about Hunt because Hunt doesn't have a background, at least not an extensive one, when it comes to contract negotiations and salary cap management. He's been all about evaluation. He's been all about player procurement in all forms. So, hey, here's an idea. Want to hear something totally nuts? Why not make them both? GM. Totally serious here. If the Steelers' way, one where everyone's on the same page, everyone agrees at the end of the day, and in the unwritten sense, everyone understands that Tomlin gets the final call, and he does, and he will, who cares what the titles are? I mean, there are some teams. One of them's in the Super Bowl right now that don't even have GMs. Team in Dallas that, for all intents and purposes, has its clueless owner as the GM. Not that you want the Bengals or the Cowboys to be your role models, but my point is, is that the GM title, the GM as a figurehead, the GM as an absolute must within your organization doesn't exist in football. You can call them co-GMs. You can call one of them GM of football operations and the other one GM of, I don't know, contract slash cap operations. And they can have these titles and share them and they can both achieve their lifelong dreams of becoming National Football League general managers. They stay with an organization that they know. And infinitely more important than that, the team keeps... Both assets keeps both men doing what they do best instead of forcing them 
into uncomfortable areas and keeps, for better or worse, the head coach happy with his situation. Yeah, that's where I cringe at this a little bit, too. But I'm not really advocating here as much as I am trying to predict the way this will play out. And I believe that's where this is headed. I really do. When we come back, just one question. And today's comes from Anthony, who asks, Is there some sort of bitterness between Mason Rudolph and Ben Roethlisberger? All season long, it wasn't that hard to spot the QB coach and Josh Dobbs going over pictures on the tablets with Ben after a drive. Rudolph was never anywhere to be found. Anthony, it's not your imagination, first and foremost, when it comes to the relationship between Dobbs and Ben. They're close, and there's a significant trust there. Uh, Ben sees, not without cause, Dobbs as being excessively smart. This individual is a literal rocket scientist and also has learned to value and trust Dobbs' selflessness because Dobbs, if you really think about it, doesn't have all that much of a chance of getting onto the football field. And despite that, Dobbs has been a tremendous teammate as it relates to Ben. My understanding is that the Dobbs-Ben dynamic, you also mentioned the quarterback's coach, that of course being Mike Sullivan, has less to do with acrimony or animosity between Ben and Mason and is more just about them and the work they do in the quarterback's room all week long and then try to work it out as the game is happening right there on the sideline even further. Now, that said, and both of these things can be true, it doesn't have to be one or the other, there's never been any real love lost either, and you can see that and you can feel it between the two. I believe that goes back to the year that management drafted Mason, because not only was Mason taken in the third round that year at a time where, as Ben famously spoke on his then-weekly radio program, the team really, 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 really needed to replace Ryan Shazier and instead went and got a quarterback, but also because it probably didn't take Ben long to find out the scouting department had hung a first-round grade on Mason. So in a lot of ways, the same reaction that you saw Aaron Rodgers have when the Packers after Jordan Love, that's what happened here as well. No one who sees themselves as still being able to compete likes looking their potential successor right in the eye. Show me where that's the case. Does happen, but it's rare. And from there, once Ben made his remarks, then people like me were inevitably and justifiably, I'd think, peppering Mason with questions about that. Well, what do you think about what Ben had to say? And in turn, Ben's asked about what he said about Mason, and Ben blames everything on the media. And everything was just off to a really rotten start. 
where it went from there, I'm not going to pretend to know. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't delve all that much into the soap opera slash narrative component to the teams that I cover. I do find them interesting, as we all do. But if you give me an opportunity to ask an athlete questions, one-on-one, off the record, whatever it is, very rarely is it going to be something like, hey, do you like not like that guy or something? Instead, it's going to be a lot more about performance or confidence issues or what you might be doing to improve yourself toward the next football season. You know, stuff like that. Sportsy stuff. If I was with TMZ, you'd better believe I'd be hanging out at all of everybody's nightclubs and asking a lot of different questions and everything. And I don't do that. I haven't done that. And I won't do that at any point in my life, I hope. And now it really doesn't matter. Ben's gone. The dynamic between Mason and Dwayne Haskins could not be healthier. I can tell you that without hesitation. These two get along, they push each other, they help each other. And, you know, as long as I spent the opening segment talking about co-GMs, I'm going to repeat that there's a part of me that still thinks there's a way, somehow, possibly, or that it's at least worth a discussion, having both quarterbacks involved. And then for sure we wouldn't be talking about whether or not they like each other. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Steelers. We'll do another one tomorrow. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.